Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. When two Division I athletes discuss the challenges and successes of navigating life after competing, you get conversations designed by athletes for athletes. I'm Don Sutton. And I'm Brooke Beerhouse, sharing with the athletic community stories and insights to better understand life when your sport ends. Hello and welcome to When Your Sport Ends, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Don Sutton, your co-host for When Your Sport Ends, alongside me is my co-host, Brooke Beerhouse. Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, however you're listening to us and wherever we're coming into you from on your earbuds and speakers, we are excited you are here and we have a very special guest. Do you want to tell them who it is, Don? Who do we have for our first interview on season two? For today, we have Paulina Edmonds, a 2014 Olympian, 2015 Four Continents champion, and a two-time U.S. silver medalist in figure skating for Team USA. Paulina recently graduated from Santa Clara University with a bachelor's in communications and a minor in business entrepreneurship. And she's joining us today to talk about her recent transition out of figure skating, but also the exciting opportunities that are to come and her hardships and obstacles that she faced. And it also gives a lot of, I think, inspiration and advice for anyone who's going through a similar time of transitioning like we always talk about. So I think this is going to be a really great one for listeners and we are excited for you to get into it. So yeah, I think that this is going to be a good one for everybody from an outside perspective as well. But before we discuss with Paulina, let's get a word from our sponsors. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Yes. I know I will only be betting if you're wearing my UT hat. Yep. I am his superstition, and I kind of love it. I wear the Longhorns hat every Saturday, and so far, when I've worn it, we've won. When I've not worn it, we've lost. Yes. Yep. It's pretty disappointing. I know. From game spreads and totals to team players and coaching and props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always an online casino as well. Never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online online sportsbook experts man i wish i could access the internet via my laptop at the dog park well you know i have something where you can do that oh yeah yeah it's got a skyroam solis i don't know if you'd want to do it at the dog park though because you and i are too busy playing with all the dogs but if you wanted to you would have the option the Skyroam Solis is a personal hotspot where you can work anywhere, whether that's on the road, at the dog park, or maybe just on a walk around the neighborhood, right? I guess so. I guess so. And now it's 20% off 
at skyroam.com with the promo code Rome with Brooke. That's R-O-A-M with B-R-O-O-K-E for 20% off at skyroam.com. You have a very incredible perspective and insight and with your new show on the Believe Network, we're always excited to get someone in the Believe Podcast family. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your show and what topics you're going to be discussing and we'll kind of kick off from there? Absolutely. I just started my own podcast series through Believe. Uh, It's Believe in Figure Skating. So my podcast is all things figure skating. I'm mainly focusing on going to school and doing sports at the same time uh, because that is kind of taboo for a lot of elite athletes in the Olympic realm and especially in figure skating. So my experiences with that are definitely a little out of the normal. And then I'm also just talking a lot about sport politics, trying to create more honest conversation around a lot of the things that happen to us as athletes because of various systems and factors flying around. Then I'm also going to be talking about uh, normal subjects. Sad, I guess, that they're normalized now, but um, just things with mental and physical health um, and how to maintain good stuff going on with all of that. So that's kind of what my figure skating podcast is about. Very interesting. Um, I think one of the most exciting pieces of having you on is you're not a traditional college athlete in the sense of you had played a NCAA sport. You were more of figure skating and you had continued figure skating through college. Would you mind going into a little bit of detail about that and how unique that was for you? Totally. I started school actually right when I was injured from sport. So I had to take a little bit of time off and the timing was kind of perfect to coincide with college because that was um, this really newly um, found independence. Hmm. And because I didn't have skating going on for a few months, I could fully enjoy any opportunity that came my way uh, with the other kids that I was in my dorm with, living with, made friends with, um, who had nothing to do with sport, which was really cool and a great experience for me. But as I continued on, I was training off and on um, because of the injury throughout my four years and competing also off and on. And it was it was definitely a huge challenge to kind of juggle everything and prioritize what um, meant the most to me and for me being skating and my education, like putting away kind of the social aspects that I wanted to be a part of, but I knew I had to put on the back burner um, to give myself more time for optimal performance. So that was hard living with non-athletes and living with friends of mine who could just sleep at, you know, one or 2 a.m. and they didn't have to get up early, they could sleep in, or if they did, it didn't matter because they were just going to sit in class and if they wanted to skip, they potentially could. doesn't work like that for sport. You need no. at least eight, and a lot of times the best athletes are having 10 hours of sleep, 
and you need to be getting up early and doing all of this different stuff. So to add school into the mix as well, I was doing 8 a.m. classes, trying to get all my classes done in the morning. And then I would go to the rink from around 11 or noon all the way until 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. And I would just be hanging out there, both training and taking my rest times on my yoga mat, like off the ice when I could. And it was it was really a lot for me to handle all of that and be kind of exhausted from not being able to like really leave the rink um, for so long. And then to come back and just have all of my friends hanging out and want to go out and party at night while I had to go to bed early. It was definitely challenging. And then a lot of other skaters, nobody was in my situation. I think there's a few skaters now who are going to really awesome colleges. So that's really great to see them valuing um, that side of their lives and trying to do both. But I don't really know what their schedules are and how they compare to mine. And if they're living with other students, non-athletes, I have no idea. But for me, it was it was a crazy time to be able to do that and participate in some social events and then go to a competition and just have completely different stories than what everybody else was experiencing. Was there any backlash on your end, I suppose, of people making negative comments or like making you feel like maybe you weren't putting enough attention towards figure skating? Totally. With most skaters my age, if they were in high school at the same time as I was when I was competing internationally, they were definitely homeschooled. I didn't know anybody Um, going to like normal everyday high school sitting in class for six hours like I did. Um, And then usually once skaters graduate high school, they either take time off to really focus on skating or if they are taking classes, it's one or two maybe um, online courses because they're putting all of their hours into training all day. So for me, again, to be living on campus in a college dorm, participating in college events while training at the same time, that was just like unheard of. And so I had a lot of different moments where I would be in locker rooms and other skaters my age would make comments and ask me, what's it like living with a bunch of other girls? Oh, we could never do that. I don't know how mm. you do that. And they, I could tell that they they wanted to experience what I was. And even though they were kind of talking down to me, I felt like if I were to invite them to come stay with me a weekend or whatever, and I could kind of give them the college experience for a few days, they would be super appreciative and they would love to do it. But um, it was hard to constantly be speaking up for myself and telling people, you know, it's not that hard and it is a great experience and I'm doing what I think is right when everybody else is doing the opposite thing. So it was hard to constantly be fighting that and then also have a lot of judges and officials and either even other um, athletes sometimes they would tell me that I should be focusing all my time on skating and that really school could wait or that I was super privileged to be able to be going to school at the same time, which no denial. Of course I was. I'm super happy that I was had the opportunity through my parents to be going to school at the same time as skating. But at the same time, it's it's you can't fault a person for that. You know, if an opportunity comes my way and I take it, I shouldn't be made to feel bad about it just because another person can't. So it's it, it was a really hard line to walk. I think that's pretty interesting because I have seen personally in 
swimming and Brooke, maybe you've seen it in running too. Mm-hmm. Some people, um, college, like trans- transitioning from college or transitioning to college with a co- new coach doesn't always work out. Yeah. And they either think they can go back and reach their true potential sometimes, or they stick it out or they transfer and find another one. Um, it would, was going to Santa Clara University a uh, reason to stick with the same coach if you still had them? And also, uh, is everybody safe on your end? Yeah, we should have started fires? with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody um, that I know in my family and friends, everybody has been safe with the fires. There were a few evacuation scares. Um, <clears throat> I actually had to help my boyfriend's family move all of their stuff out of their house for a few days but everybody's fine everybody's back in their own houses so we're okay just trying to stay out of the smoke good yeah it it was definitely as soon as I got into Santa Clara it was kind of a no-brainer that I was going to go there just because it was in my hometown I didn't need to leave my training facility or any of my coaches or any of my doctors anything that I had set up for me especially during the Olympics it it all seemed perfect to be able to stay and continue my education there and not have to make any huge changes. I definitely was romanticizing the idea of moving away and kind of trying a new thing. But uh, one of my main coaches is my mom and oh, neat. she's yeah. And so she has a lot to do with my success and a lot to do with the way that I grew up training and being pushed. And so um, it, it seemed like if I were going to the, make the move that she was going to somehow come with me and find an apartment wherever I went. And so I really didn't want the idea of my mom following me to my college anywhere. Um, <laughs> and so it, it made a lot more sense for me to stay home. And yeah, it was it was really great, especially with my injury. I really didn't want to leave any of the resources that I already had for me in the last few years. Now, with your injuries, too, was that I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about how my initial thoughts of like leaving the sport of track and field and not being on a team anymore, it stemmed from having so many injuries. And so I felt like for me, the seed was planted whenever I started just my body was like not accepting what was the training and everything that I was doing. Um, I'm just curious if you had these thoughts of what is life going to be like after figure skating? What am I going to do when I can't compete anymore? If those thoughts came in while you were injured. I, it was really hard when I first got injured just because I really felt my, like my world was collapsing and that all of my potential was just kind of going down the drain because it was just such a um, blindsided event that happened to me. And of course, when I look back on it now, it it really wasn't blindsided. It was me, you know, not knowing the warning signs. But Mm. at the time, it was just overwhelmingly this like disappointment. But for me, a lot of it was made okay through the fact that I was going to school at the same time. And I was able to shift my focus and perspective into this different world with non-athletes who had no idea what I was going through. So yes, they could be sympathetic, but they didn't really understand the full scope of what was occurring with me. And I wouldn't want to be kind of a Debbie Downer in everybody else's bright sunshine life. So of course I adapted super quickly. 
which was really great because I feel like so many athletes kind of have this really narrow minded, my sport is the whole world kind of view. And really, if you take a step back, you can realize that there's so many other things going on and there's so many other talents that you can put out. Um, So that was really good for me. But I always had in the back of my mind that I was going to heal and I was going to get back into it. So even when I was having uh, the time off, it felt amazing because I had never had time off in my entire life. And I felt like I could enjoy all of this stuff. But I always knew it was going to be short lived and that at some point I was going to get back into the same like really strict training regimen and not be able to take advantage of any of those opportunities. So it never really scared me to think about the future of who am I going to be once I finish skating. I always had skating as this huge part of my identity and this huge just thing in the back of my mind that kept me from doing anything dangerous or doing anything too big that could take away from skating. Um, So when I was injured, that was my perspective. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. With that year off as well, did you um, kind of find time to think about what you wanted to major in or was it just kind of a natural progression? My understanding is you're a communications major. It's a, she graduated yeah, this year. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations. Uh, is, has it always been in the back of your mind, stay within the sport, like you had mentioned, as you transition out, move into just complete focus on figure skating. Yeah. So I actually, ever since I was growing up, I always kind of pinned my future through skating. So whatever opportunities that I had academically or career wise, I saw through success in skating. Like I'm going to have these doors open to me if I become a champion or if, you know, if I'm getting as for the Olympics, if I'm at the Olympics, if I'm on the podium, I'm going to get these deals and these opportunities and doors opened through that. It wasn't really through like my own, like just myself. I I always felt like it needed to be impaired with skating. And I've only really recently realized that that's not true, that I don't need to, you know, be always like thinking that I'm going to get ahead through skating. I can do other things and just trust that I'm good enough just being, you know, a major in communications and whatever. But when I started um, college, I, I kind of had a, an idea in the back of my mind that I wanted to do communication. And I've always been really interested in broadcasting and doing um, kind of televised sports events type things. So I always knew that was in the direction that I wanted to go. But more towards my sophomore year, I really committed and really liked the communication classes I was taking. And I had more direction in that sense. And I also decided to pick up a business minor because my dad, um, he's a businessman. My older brother did business as well. So they were kind of pushing me to go into business. And they were kind of like, "Ah, when are you going to drop this (laughs) communication stuff and become a business major? And that just wasn't me. I really liked taking um, the classes. So I, I picked up the minor. But I, it doesn't come as naturally to me. I don't really understand things the same way that other people do when it comes to that versus communication it just flows so much better for me. So I, I picked up that um, it's actually business entrepreneurship, which I'm super, super happy that I took all those classes now because um, as I've graduated now, I've really been toying with the idea of starting kind of my own business or brand with different ideas I have um, related to sports casting. 
Um, and so now I really have kind of the tools in the background to be able to propel myself forward with that and not at all with just, you know, using skating as my um, star quality. Oh, man, there is so much to unpack there that you just said so many little tidbits that would help all of our listeners. I'm so happy that you shared that with us. First of all, I love that you got your business entrepreneurship like a minor in that because media is changing and the landscape is completely different and freelancing or owning your own business is so important. And then communications. I mean, when you were talking, that sounds like the perfect track for you. And especially with how old were you when you were at in 2014 for the Olympics? Were you 16? I was 15. 15. Okay. So 15 years old on a national stage, the broadcasting and people interviewing you. I mean, you've already had experience as being an interviewee. So it does make sense that, you know, you're able and capable to broadcast and talk with people. So I really love that. Was the media, did you have any media training beforehand? Did they get you the Team USA? Did they prep you at all before the Olympics to help you in that sense? Or were you kind of just learning on the fly? Um, I want to say both, really. There were We've had media trainings kind of maybe once a year with the what U.S. Figure Skating, the Federation, gives us. Okay. And that's really because when we step off the ice, we enter the mix zone with um, journalists and reporters who are immediately asking us questions. So we have a little bit of training on that, but not a whole lot. So a lot of it was just personal experience for me, kind of learning on the fly how to talk to reporters, how to kind of take control of situations, not answer questions I don't want to, you know, that whole thing. And so I definitely have a lot of experience with that, which is why I would love to be on the other end of it now and kind of really dig into some issues that I know athletes would like to have brought up instead of the same routine questions and the same interviews happening every few games or every year. So that's kind of what I um, have really been interested in. But more so with just media in general, for me, I've always found myself from a very young age understanding that you are your own cheerleader and you're your best form of um, good things being said about you, right? So if you want to tell a story, the best way is to do it yourself and not have somebody else do it for you because a lot of times things get lost in translation or twisted and... A lot of times, especially with sport politics, journalists are going to be writing things um, kind of in the flow with the wind, whatever way it's blowing. So it's not necessarily always entirely truthful or exactly what's happening. It's just kind of going along with what they see. And a lot of times they don't even fully understand, you know, the sport or they're not experts in it. Mm -hmm. So I've always found myself being very vocal and not aggressive, I want to say, I want to say confident, (laughs) but definitely strong in standing up for myself and making sure what I thought I did was known because I really felt like I received the short end of the stick a lot of the times with other athletes um, or in comparison with other athletes in the media, just because my placement might not have been as high, but it's not always because of our performance. A lot of the times it's because of this pecking order that's already in place before we even compete. And so for me, that was always really unfair 
um, and the way that I saw it. And so I always wanted to make sure when I had a mic in front of me that I got to tell it my way. Now, did your mom help you with navigating that as well? Absolutely. My mom, she is always been a very strong advocate for me, but mostly she's been a really strong advocate for truth in sport and in life in general. And she, she really, she and my dad, they both instilled in me this um, sense of I need to speak up and I need to stand up for myself and I can't just sit quiet if I think something's wrong. And I've seen them both practice that in their own lives. So that is really where I get a lot of my um, passion for it when it comes to talking in the media. And it's been hard because a lot of other skaters and athletes, they're kind of trained to give these cookie cutter responses and to not, I guess, show any controversy um, in what they say or basically showcase themselves as anything less than grateful for the opportunity to even compete, you know? And it's, it's like for me, the way that I've always seen it and the way that my mom has always pushed me, um, when I was growing up skating was that I'm getting this opportunity because of the hard work that I put in because I was good enough to be there. It's not like I'm grateful that they gave me a spot. I earned the spot. So I shouldn't be just thanking everybody to let me skate, you know? Yeah. And I think that's like a problem um, in transparency with a lot of athletes today. And a lot of just our even like us figure skating federation is that we're not, speaking up as much as we should be and so of course when somebody does it case in point me with my latest podcast there's going to be people who kind of don't understand or like are kind of like whoa what's happening here because I'm not giving cookie cutter responses that's really interesting you say that and it if I'm imposing please stop me but I'm just curious ending your career and um, was the media on you? Did they expect you to have a cookie cutter response for this? Or did you kind of take it into your own hands to really dive into the truth? I feel like I've kind of taken it into my own hands at this point. Um, I've, I've definitely had a lot of the same interviews throughout really the last few years off and on with my injury. Um, and then for me for this year, it's really great when I kind of get to speak up and tell my story. So there's no speculation of, I think the media a lot of the times and people who don't know me at all or just kind of think that they know my story their thoughts on myself or that I got injured I went to college and skating lost me when I went to college because I realized there was more to the world or I started valuing Mm -hmm. partying you know and stuff like that um, instead of skating and so I lost the drive I lost the desire and I didn't have the full focus on skating anymore. And so that's why I'm done with it. But that's just, that's just not true. Um, And I feel like it's not true for a lot of athletes that get pegged as that. Yeah. It's, it's not really that we go to college and we, we see that there's more to life and there's more fun or whatever. Um, A lot of the time, and this is what happened in my case I actually went to college and I missed skating. I I had this new appreciation for it because I got to experience normal life, you would say. Um, But I realized, but I realized the huge opportunities and how kids in my, even my roommates would tell me, you know, it's crazy that we're working right now. We're learning our professions and it's our dream one day in many, many years 
to be like the top of our profession and be known as that. And you already reached the top of one of your professions and now you're learning something else. Like that's insane. And so that's Mm -hmm. kind of a perspective that was shown to me from a different point than us as skaters. And so I was like, wow, yeah, that is crazy when I kind of think about it. And I do want to go back and be doing competing at the top level and showing that there's more that I can offer to the sport. I have more potential in it. Um, And that's something that I only realized when I took a step back. It's kind of like that, that saying that um, when you pull back, it, you really can slingshot forward instead of just moving at a steady pace. I like that you said there's more to offer in a different way, maybe in figure skating. And I'm just curious if you found yourself creating a new identity within figure skating, or if it's too soon to say, my brain is thinking about coaching and then broadcasting for you and all the other avenues that aren't quite, like you said, you're not competing, but they stem from your same passion and love. And I'd love to hear if you're able to talk about it, um, how your identity has been shifting in this, the last, what is it now, two months or three months? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I actually, I had this huge comeback plan. Um, So everything shifted for me very quickly. And that was something that was crazy. But I I realized, you know, obviously, I'm not the only one because of a pandemic that was happening. I, I was having this huge comeback plan. I was training all year from the end of 2018 um, is when I started skating again after taking a long hiatus because of my injury. And I trained all through 2019 and I had this really good plan. I was on track for the start of this year. And so I had this plan of I had gotten everything back, which was a huge win for me, knowing that I changed so much in my body. Um, I wasn't this 15-year-old tiny bean anymore. And so for me to come back to skating, I I had this new identity of being an actual woman on the ice and having more fluid, um, beautiful lines rather than me when I was kind of a little more awkward at 16. And so I had a lot of excitement to be bringing that to the table and showing kind of my transformation. And I really, really needed to practice the adrenaline because for not competing for around three years, that was a huge game changer for me. I got on the ice and my legs were shaking and I felt like a hot air balloon rising. Yeah. And I just, I never experienced that when I was younger because I had this routine of always competing. I never took time off. And I, I was so used to competitions that it was kind of robotic for me. And so that changed a lot when I tried to come back. And I had this plan for 2020 of competing constantly just locally, um, but putting myself in that pressure situation all summer. So I wanted to be competing like every week so that I could train my body to get used to the nerves again and then be ready for the 2022 games by doing that. But then in March, when everything closed, I I took a few months off just like everybody else was because no rinks were open. But mm-hmm. then as rinks started to reopen in May, that was when we really needed to decide, am I going to try to come back now or am I not? And at first, my my entire approach to it was absolutely. And I felt like I almost had a leg up on my competitors because I knew exactly what it took to take time off and then come back. I had already done it because of my injury and I was already being successful in it. So I had the right mindset and I knew how to take care of my body to be able to get the optimal performance with that. 
But then there was just the whole thing of my plan kind of being yanked out under me because I can't compete. Now all of the competitions have been canceled for this season already because there's no public sporting events. Yeah. And I think they're trying to do Zoom competitions now, but it's just not the same if you're performing in your home rink and you're just being videotaped with no spectators. That's not the same adrenaline as when you're in a crowd of people. So I kind of really lost my opportunity to practice that. And that was um, a tough thing to come to terms with, with um, knowing that that's what I needed. And without that, I wasn't going to be able to reach the same progress, I guess, that I knew I needed. And I I really toyed with the idea of um, stopping. Actually, my mom was the first one to bring it up to me, which is shocking because she's really? my coach. So, of course, she's like she's very supportive and wants me to skate. But yeah. She she was the one that told me, you know, if you're going to continue, that's fine, but you need to start right away in June and you we probably need to move because ice is not open California and there at that point there were rinks open I think in Colorado and Montana or something. So, we were going to go try to chase some ice and um <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And so then she said she asked me like, oh, well, do you even want to anymore? Because it's going to be really hard and now you can't even compete. So like if you want to stop, like you can. And that was just kind of shocking for me to hear because I've always had that option. My parents have always been supportive of me continuing or not, but that was not ever part of the plan in the last two years for me. And I, I had this plan of once I graduated, I was going to dedicate all of my time to skating before really kickstarting my career because I knew that um, – the comeback is a lot harder than staying in like constant competition form. Mm -hmm. And at first it just felt unreal to even think about dropping skating because it had always been this huge part of my identity. But then as I started talking it out with more of my family and more of my friends, it was really emotional. Every time I talked about it, I would start to cry just because I couldn't even fathom the idea of stopping. But I realized, um, one of the things my dad had actually told me was if I'm continuing because I know it's going to be hard and I don't know what the result is going to be. I have this dream of what I want the result is going to be, but I, I can't guarantee anything. If you don't enjoy the journey, then it's not worth it. You can't only enjoy the end goal because you don't know if you're going to even get that end goal and then it's not worth it. And that really spoke to me because I realized that I was dreading going back to training. I had gotten that kind of two-month period of being free again and just enjoying life. And I realized that I was so much happier when I didn't have all this various pressure on me with both, you know, staying in shape like via diet, staying in Mm -hmm. shape because I was working out like four times a day. If I even took one workout out of that routine, I felt like I wasn't doing enough. Um, And then I knew that there were a lot of fun opportunities that a lot of my friends were going to be able to go do. And I knew that I was going to have to say no to all of them until 2022. Right. So it was kind of always in my head that I'm going to wait. Like, yes, I'm going to have so much fun with my life, but I have to wait. I have to wait another two years and then I'm free. Wow. And I realized that just wasn't like a life that I really wanted to be engaging in anymore because – it wasn't bringing me the same happiness and the same relaxation and relief as um, when I'm not skating and I'm focusing on other things. And there, were, I also felt like I had a lot of career opportunities coming up 
um, that I also felt like I needed to put on hold that I couldn't do these different internships or these different jobs because I don't have the time because of training. Like I can do those in two years. And I realized that if I stop skating, I can kind of actually take those and I can actually propel my career and I don't need skating to be able to do that. And I just ended up seeing that I had so many more pros for um, exploring different avenues in my life than keeping skating. There were more cons for me um, individually just because also knowing with sport politics, Mm -hmm. you never know what way the wind is going to blow. And so I could really put two years, dedicate my time into it, but I don't know how they're going to take me. And that's just, again, not something that I find worth giving my life up for. Yeah. Thank you, first of all, for sharing all of that. Yeah. Mm, I think, uh, I, I think from a closing aspect or just closing standpoint yeah a lot of our focus is on just taking what you've learned so far and how you're applying it to daily life I think it'd be really interesting to hear your point of view especially when you stopped figure skating for a little bit then you got back into it in college and now you're getting back into quote-unquote normal life quote-unquote yes Uh, (laughs) if you want to call it that. But um, is there anything from those two to three years where you were in college, you were training, that you reflect on and you're grateful for that really provided a different perspective that you had never experienced? And how do you see that being utilized moving forward? I definitely think I I really found a newfound appreciation for my sport and the dedication that it takes to be great. I didn't, I never took a step back and really saw the whole picture when I was, you know, going to the Olympics and I was in high school and I was constantly competing. It it felt really cool. (laughs) Yeah. But of course, yeah, it just, it was just part of the package and um, Mm -hmm. I didn't, kind of have this gratitude for it in the same way that I did when I took a break. And so in that way, I really, I know that it takes a lot of work and a lot of dedication um, to get to where you need to be. And knowing that as being older, I, I really take that to everything that I do now. Um, and then also something that skating has always taught me ever from a young age that I will continue to apply to other fields in my life is just yeah, really the dedication and the hard work and prioritizing time. That's probably the biggest thing. Uh, Time management to pretty much any athlete is taught from such a young age because you need to balance X, Y, and Z in your day and get enough sleep and get enough nutritional food into your body to be able to perform well. There's so many factors. So I definitely find myself able to juggle a lot and concentrate when it matters and then prioritize doing the important things first before going off and having fun. And I see a lot of other kids my age are starting to figure it out when it comes to college, but a lot of the time it's something that they learn by the time they're a senior and they're (laughs) kind of prioritizing the social fun stuff first because that's Mm -hmm. what they want to do, not what they need to do. And that's something that I'm always just very grateful that sport taught me. And it's something that gives me a head start in life. I feel like basically by the time I'm at my age now, Absolutely. If you had one little gem of advice for a, let's go with 10, 12 year old figure skater right now that, you know, you're 
their role model? What is just one sound advice that you wish someone would have told you, or maybe they did tell you, and you'd like to impart that with them? You know, I I think that one of the biggest words of encouragement that I heard from, I think when I was actually 10 years old, this really famous coach, um, her name is Christy Ness. She has worked with me in the past, and she actually took Christy Yamaguchi to the Olympics. Um, yeah, and Olymp- and Christy Yamaguchi won the Olympic gold. So um, she's definitely a big figure, very trustworthy. <laughs> um, she told me that... Every time you lace up your skates, you have a chance to win. Um, and it like that's, you know, in terms of competition, every competitor who laces up her skates, they could win because the ice is slippery and you never know what's going to happen. And so I think that's that's something that I always kind of knew. And it's hard to kind of get discouraged in the system where I I think there is a lot of bias and there are a lot of politics going on behind the scenes. And a lot of times you need to wait your turn. If you don't have a famous coach, you might not be placed higher. There's so many other factors and I've, I've experienced it all um, with my own career. And so that's really disheartening for a lot of people to hear. And it's even disheartening for me to think back on what happened. But I also know that I kept pushing and I kept doing my best and trying to show that I was good enough to be where I was. And even if people didn't think so, I was going to show them that. And it it really did work for me. You know, I was very persistent. I didn't let up. And even when it felt like other people wanted me to just fail already, I didn't, you know, I pushed through because of myself. And so with that kind of mentality of you never know what's going to happen. Everyone has a chance to win when you lace up your skates. I think that's a good mentality for a lot of young skaters to have is that if they're doing the work and they believe in themselves the right things will ring true thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.